0: Welcome to Two Hypnotherapists Talking with me, Denise and mejia in Delaware, USA.
1: And me, Martin Ferber in Preston, UK.
0: This weekly podcast is for anyone and everyone who would like to know more about the fascinating subject of hypnosis and the benefits it offers.
1: I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and psychotherapist.
0: I'm a retired medical doctor turned consulting hypnotist.
1: We are Two Hypnotherapists Talking. So let's get on with the episode. We're on the series finale, Denise, and we're doing it differently this time.
0: We are. We're both on camera saying hello <laughs> <know>. and goodbye.
1: <laughs> but no, we'll be d-
0: back in a month or so.
1: <laughs> I, d- I just thought, first of all, it'd be nice to thank all our viewers and listeners. Uh, of course. joined us over the last series and supported yes. us. We're not just on YouTube, and are we? We're on, we're on every yep. major podcast platform. Yep.
0: yep. And, the, and the viewings are going up. It does take yep. a while for people to realise. <laughs> Please tell your friends and relations. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what was I going to say? Yes, we should thank our guests
1: because they was do, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just, you know what? It, it seems ages ago, um, mm. but, it, but it's not that long ago. It's only three months ago, isn't it? When we first welcomed Andy Workman, he was our first That's guest right. of the series yeah. um, on episode two, and he was a former policeman who became a hypnotherapist
0: um and our um, last guest who was only last week is was was a doctor who yeah. has been using hypnosis her whole life but has not formally learned how to hypnotize which
1: I yeah intriguing. yeah yeah it was it was interesting how she was talking about how she first discovered it when she was eight years old going somewhere mm-hmm. with her mum um yeah. yeah that was really good who else did we have on um oh happy so far bev densham the mindfulness yes. pilates instructor
0: right
1: yeah and Karen
0: um, of course very recently
1: Ka- yeah Karen my um former tutor yeah of course
0: and now collaborator with the yeah, course. And collaborator,
1: <laughs> yeah and then we had Myra on from New York well from yes um what, what was it Staten Island yeah,
0: that's New York. Don't do offend yeah, the New I know, Yorkers. I know it's New
1: York. <laughs> I know it's New York. It's New
0: York City. Staten Island is one of the boroughs. It's
1: yeah, that's right. Of, one of the boroughs of New York City. City. But, it, of course, as, as English people, we always think when we think New York, we think Manhattan Island. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> you think Empire State Building and yes. um, things like that. Trump but Tower. But people,
0: people <laughs> do remember the Staten Island Ferry. If you want to get a good view of Manhattan, you take the ferry to mm. the Staten Island and then stay on and go back again.
1: <laughs> is it, there's two areas that you hear of and i always thought they were separate islands but they're on one island you've got That's staten brooklyn, island
0: uh, brooklyn and queens brooklyn and queens
1: right? they're the same island aren't they
0: yeah and they they run into their their line and long island is outside the city but it's further down the road
1: right yeah That's, i i always thought brooklyn and queens were two different islands <laughs> 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 who else do we have on that oh no heather of course from canada yes It was cold up there when she was um, recording with us. It's cold here now. And it's cold (laughs) here today. Minus five. Minus five, yeah. And who else? Oh, yeah. And and Karen, and that brought us right back to Anakin. So we've had a packed Mm -hmm. out series, really, haven't we? We
0: have.
1: Do you know who we're
0: inviting next next time?
1: No. Have you had any thought about? Oh, mysteries. We haven't got them lined (laughs) up yet, but I think it might be about time to invite some people back from series one.
0: Okay. We can think about that. You're free to write your comments because you've got about a, a three week window there before yeah, we start. If
1: anybody watching or listening has had a particularly favorite guest of ours on in the past that they'd like to hear again, um, drop us a line. Yeah. We'll, or we'll a topic. Or a
0: topic that they particularly want discussed.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely absolutely so that that brings us to the end of series 4 denise and they said it wouldn't mm-hmm. last <laughs> so yeah. as as it's this festive time of the year we can wish people all the festivities whatever whatever, whatever this time of the year means for them exactly whether it means happy yeah. hanukkah whether it means merry christmas whether it means or ha-
0: happy christmas <laughs>
1: yeah or or just having a few days off work and enjoying mm-hmm. The shortest days, whatever it means to right. you. Have a good one.
0: Because right. <laughs> Andy, Andy was first a police officer in the RAF. Is that correct? Military That's right. police.
2: Yeah, yeah. I left school and joined the military. Yeah.
0: How long were you, did you serve?
2: I only did three years. I signed on for nine. Um, and that part of the way is the reason I left I thoroughly enjoyed my service it was a fantastic place to be um, particularly as a young man I wasn't single uh, I met my good lady wife who I'm still with now um, when we were 16 so we were already together when I went into the, the Royal Air Force um, with full intentions of getting married whilst I was there and seeing my career through um, but uh, having joined the Air Force in Cold War times. And don't get me wrong, I didn't want to go into battle. Um, yeah. it, was, um, it wasn't it was the job I thought it was going to be. I was um, recruited to be a police officer. That's what I would wanted to do. Um, and I got trained as a police officer. I did all my law studies. And the second I went to my base camp, they gave me a camouflage suit. They gave me three live weapons. And I sat in a field and I guarded nuclear um, warheads for three years. Um, and ke- to keep myself sane, I was counting the holes in a chain link fence some evenings. So oh um, did you find yes,
1: that indeed. hypnotic? <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
2: Yes. How ironic I end up in the, the same um, occupation some years later. So um, my good lady came down to visit me, obviously, as my fiancé at the time. Um, she saw the conditions under which many of the married quarters were p- the people that were living in, in the married quarters and said, there is no way I'm going to bring a family up in those conditions.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: so um, three years into it, I decided to follow my original career path, which was to become a civilian police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that,
3: um,
0: in, in this country, in the US, that's actually very much appreciated. They give uh, preference. Uh, it, they can pull their rank over even. Uh, into civil police. So do you did you manage to do that or did you have yeah, to start at the, at
2: the floor again? No, I started at the floor again. I, I think, if I'm honest, back in the 1980s, I joined the, the civil police in 86.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and There's no doubt at all that being a, a military personnel back then definitely did open some doors for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it made it any easier, as in I had, still had to do all my tests and my exams and my fitness and everything else but you were definitely looked up on favorably because of the discipline side of things. Right, um, right. But the, the service has changed so much now that I retired having done 32 years back, about nine years ago now, mm-hmm. um, and by the time I left, it, the service has changed dramatically. It was no longer... When I joined, it was referred to as the police force, mm. and o- over the time I was a member, it suddenly became the police service.
4: I found, I was introduced to Pilates. I'd never heard of it, a form of exercise. And I realized it helped very much. And after a road, very, quite severe road traffic accident, I was like, what on earth am I going to do for a living? And I'd done this sports science degree. I was fascinated by psychology and mindset and how the mind can help the body, but also and how exercise can help the body and the mind. So I ended up um, having in-person studios in Hertfordshire for 16 years. Um, then I set a goal to move to Dorset by the sea, which is my happy place. And I now have a Zoom studio teaching mindfulness pilates with either one-to-one or I teach groups of small beginner groups of up to five people
0: at a time or maximum 10 in my classes. Has that replaced your teaching on in the physical world? Have you Have you just morphed into just doing Zoom?
4: 99%. Today I have been... on Zoom and I have been sort of a little bit at the studio down the road in person, but 99% Mm -hmm. of my work now because I discovered in the it's not a pan it's it's because of the pandemic, but then it because it works and because clients are benefiting just as much and I can see what they're doing as long as their camera is
0: set up properly on their laptop and like they're exactly exactly like hypnosis. But now people are so much more comfortable in the online.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And I think as long as, as long as that, you know, you know, you're teaching it properly, you can see what they're doing. You can correct mm-hmm. their alignment, make sure they're in the correct position. Yes. Demonstrate each exercise, then sit up, talk the client or clients through. And it's great because you can see them side on as they're lying on their back. You can see a little bit at the floor. You can see their mat. You can see their position. And then I think half of them feel like they're having a one-to-one because <laughs> um, yeah. I'm you know, still talking to everybody, still looking after everybody, making sure it's done properly um I realized in my early days I put my hands on my clients so much moving their feet and you know but actually Mm -hmm. you have to obviously verbally cue the correct the corrections to make sure it's done properly but they've got Mm -hmm. in a way it's in a way it's better because it means you're empowering them how to practice on their own better and I am encouraging Mm -hmm. them you know to incorporate it into their lifestyle. you know, practice a little six minutes of, you know, Pilates exercise in the morning before breakfast or first thing. And of course they're gonna then do it better on their own because they're, they're moving themselves into the position or the the video on Zoom is like a mirror and then they can like, oh they're like this, one shoulder up, one down and they're supposed to be lifting evenly, they can actually also can see it. look with their eyes yeah. like having a big mirror there. So it's quite actually quite it's actually quite useful um so i'm if it didn't work i wouldn't do it but because they are getting the same benefit and they can be anywhere in the world now you know all over the Yeah, UK, that's the other know, lovely part you know. yeah yeah and and it means my mum can come as well and my sister julie who's been a guest on your <laughs> podcast and how lovely is that and they live over a hundred miles away mm-hmm
0: I have a friend I'm going to be sending this episode to who moved to Costa Rica about a year and a half ago and has recently qualified as a Pilates instructor. She's opening her own studio. So I will be pointing this out to her too. (laughs) There you (laughs) go. I would
1: say, Denise, as well, this is where I first came across Bev on LinkedIn with Mm -hmm. her online Pilates. And, of course, we're all used to seeing a Zoom room like this where we're talking face to face. Mm -hmm. But you can see Bev's clients in rows there on their Pilates mats on the floor, all doing the uh, online Pilates. It's fantastic. Really inspirational stuff.
5: And here in the Western society, we don't think about balance that way. We don't think about ourselves in that holistic, cooperative understanding we tend to just think about the mind or just think about the body or just think about the spirit and then whichever one we like the best we tend to develop the most
0: yeah that's unfortunate don't you think
5: (laughs) i do i do and because i i learned the same way that's what made me so passionate about this because i was able to break through that fragmentation that compartmentalization in my life where right. I thought of my work as separate from my personal life and I thought about my family as different right. from my own self. You know, it's it's like all together and learning to be able to establish a better balance yes. with all of it together is possible using that type of mindset, that what right. the eastern model rather than the Western model. Right.
0: But integrating them if needed, you know, if
5: your pain in your right lower quadrant
0: is because you have appendicitis. Qigong is probably not going to fix the problem. You know, we need to be able to work together with all of these things. It will probably do a lot to help you recover as you recuperate after surgery.
5: Agreed, agreed. And, you know, uh, it's really fascinating and I'll share a personal example for myself, right? Um, Based on Chinese medicine, this time of year is the time of the lung and it's the time of letting go. You know, that's, that's, what we're practicing is letting go as we look around in nature nature is all the trees are letting go of their leaves and they do it so gracefully and so elegantly and it's a beautiful um, opportunity for us to mimic that same idea but how hard it is to let go you know I Mm -hmm. was raised by a control freak and I learned very well how to control (laughs) how to (laughs) control how to control and it creates this stranglehold kind of situation. So let, letting go, it doesn't come naturally to me. And my father passed on October 1st and that was a very difficult. Not um, not this year. No, in 20, okay. 2019, sorry. Okay. He, That's right. <laughs> he passed in 2019 on October 1st. But October 1st stays in my cellular memory as this time when, when I just start to... Um, notice my energy go down right mm-hmm. and uh this past week I started experiencing some some vague pains in my shoulder and some tension in my thumbs and 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 some um, waking up at night which these are not normal behaviors and it took me a minute to establish the understanding oh this could be related to mm-hmm. this event that my body is still holding the trauma, the grief, the awareness of this event. I miss my dad terribly. Um, it's been four years, but it was like it was yesterday. Yeah. And so, it, so it really gave me an opportunity to allow myself to go deeper into that grief mm-hmm. rather than ignore it and allow myself to reconcile right, mm-hmm. to, to get better at letting go of that control um, and white-knuckling it through life and allow myself to to um, compassionately love myself through this stage.
1: White-knuckling it through life. I like that expression. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's I'll... what girl
1: freaks do, they just like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting talking about that thing with October the 1st. And obviously, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss, and that date means such a lot to you. Um, but that date, I think, for so many people, especially over here, as you say, the trees let go of the leaves, the days suddenly get a lot shorter. Um, and it, it is quite a symbolic date, isn't it? There seems to be this seismic shifting attitude as soon as we go past the 1st of October. And I always think, well, you know, 30,000 years ago, and perhaps we were all living in caves and what have you, what did we do then at this time of the year? Because we didn't even um, sort of plant our own fields or anything, did we? And we just went out and hunted. Um, What would we do at this time of year? We would more or less hibernate, I would imagine. It wouldn't be safe to go outside. There were no lights outside. Um, And I, I think some of this is, You know, a throwback to that in in our sort of biological programming as well and our mindset. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Denise?
0: Yeah, I think think for people in business of any kind also are thinking, oh, my goodness, it's the last quarter of the year.
5: That's really the key component that I agree with because our modern lifestyle has so many conveniences. It Mm. makes it so much easier to work, 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 work ourselves to death. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And not allow ourselves to give a pause that's appropriate so that we can manage the the um the reactions, the the traumas that we can deal with those things because life mm-hmm. is demanding, and awful things happen. Um, you know, we talked about my father's passing. The grief is an extra special kind of difficult task for me because in this time of year, October through December, I've had several losses of very close relatives of mine. Um, on the 29th of October, Sandy in 2012 hit the hit my house and destroyed the first level of my house, leaving my family, my pets and myself homeless for six months, so I have a lot of practice at learning how to redistribute my energy, time and money so that I could recover from these crisis moments.
3: Oh, I mean, I have a couple of stories about how I found hypnosis, but the main one was really after over a decade of doing my own self-healing and trying different modalities and and really delving into the world of, you know, heal thyself and trying Mm -hmm. everything. I had a, a moment where I was like, oh, right, hypnotherapy. And it was at a time in my life when I was feeling like I'm fully aware of why I'm doing the things are maybe how I got here, what the programming is, what the childhood stuff was like, but I really was just having to succumb to the involuntary triggers and responses. And I knew that it was part of my conditions. Like I had some skin and lung conditions. Mm -hmm. And so I looked it up online. I found a training close to me. It started right away. I took my baby and my family, you know, to, to another city and started the training. And it really was, as soon as I was in the training, becoming a hip, starting to become a hypnotherapist. I had a huge uh, release and moment that I just knew everybody needs to know about this.
0: Very similar to mine. i mm-hmm. was I was a physician. I had to retire because of health, huh. and I thought I was going to be a health coach. i I trained as that because of something with my brain model wasn't working. And I just happened across an introduction to hypnosis. And I took a week of it. I thought I was just going to have some idea. And I went, Whoop, this is what I should have been done doing for years. And I was so furious when I found out that our respective medical associations agreed back in the 50s when Elman and Boyne and all those people were were training. And, and still we're fighting that. No, it's not woo-woo. <laughs> it's really a real thing.
1: This is really um, strange hearing this from you, Karen, because I can remember um, back in the day when you were teaching me, the first couple of modules, I couldn't get my head around not allowing people to offload Um, because similarly to when you had your cafes, when I was a jeweler, part of people's journey that, you know, jewelry is usually an emotive purchase, Um, christenings, birthdays, Mm. engagements, weddings, that kind of thing, or even memorial jewelry, quite often people want to offload as part of the journey of you making something Mm -hmm. for them. And, you know, I regarded it as part of Mm -hmm. my job to listen to them. So I couldn't get my head around that at first, but when I was training to be a therapist, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a good thing listening to people offload as in, you know, get them concentrating on something else instead. Um, because I used to think at first how rude not listening to people <laughs> right.
0: but you don't you I mean, obviously they come in and they tell you their story, but yeah. then they don't have to relive the pain each time they come in. It's <laughs> so you could yeah, we we still, it then
4: yeah,
0: we we do still listen because it would be rude not to listen at all,
5: wouldn't it? but mm-hmm. but the idea is to guide them towards how they want the future to be rather than dwelling in the past really. Mm -hmm. That's how I would would phrase it. But I remember you being very sceptical about Mm. the solution focused (laughs) at the the beginning of the course. And I
0: also remember the day you walked in and you said, I've got it.
1: I've got it.
0: I got it. fantastic."
1: I I got (laughs) it. Yeah. I had a a light bulb moment because I remembered an incident after um, the the jewellery shop had been robbed and what my GP Mm. said to me. And it just suddenly fell into place. It was like, yeah, I get it. I absolutely get it now. Um, and from that point on, I have absolute faith in in the process, and I understand why the process works. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was really, really, really strange. That.
6: Mm. Yeah. In
0: fact, I have to say, I've often wondered why you chose a solution focused hypnotherapy course, Martin.
6: With that in mind.
1: Um, because after studying everything, and I I shopped around a lot, believe me. Um. It was the only one that appeared to be evidence-based, science-backed, and not full of BS.
4: <laughs> Fair that's, enough. But putting do. it bluntly, <laughs> yeah, that's a good good reason.
0: Good reason. Do you practice self hypnosis?
6: I do visualizations, mm-hmm. um, yeah, which I consider sort of self hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I discovered. If I did the sort of trance training, hypnosis training, right before I went to sleep at night and visualized what I wanted to have happen, that things would go in that direction. And I used that all through medical school when I was studying and I've used it when I've been dealing with other problems and things. It's it's been very helpful.
0: Have you you ever used it with patients?
6: um, Not specifically saying that I'm doing hypnosis, Mm -hmm. but I have worked with patients that are open to the idea of mindset and have walked them through various things that they could do. Mm -hmm. Um, One example was someone who, was dealing with someone who was really obnoxious at their workplace, it was causing them a lot of trouble. And one of the techniques I had learned was to imagine a bubble around yourself protecting you so nothing harmful could get through. Mm-hmm. And so I was telling them how to do that. And they came back to me and they said, as soon as I started picturing the bubble, the person just, and I hadn't, they hadn't said anything the person that was bothering him just said, well, if you're going to be that way, there's nothing I can do to deal with you and left. <laughs> and, um, and so they, they came back and said, well, that was amazing. Now I just do that. And and they always leave me alone. Um, I thought that was Have pretty a good. One all right well
0: it's been lovely we of course will be speaking in the four to five weeks before we you will see us again but <laughs> because we had to line up these people so put in any recommendations you have mm. and we'll see if we can have them on the show
1: brilliant brilliant okay and i will okay. see, I, I will see you before but i'll still wish you a happy new year <laughs> thank you
0: <laughs> bye bye We hope you've enjoyed listening. Please remember, this podcast is designed to give you an insight into therapeutic hypnosis and is for educational purposes only. So remember, consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you've heard may apply to you or a loved one.
1: If you found this episode useful, you can apply for free continuing professional development or CME credits using the link provided in the show notes feel free to contact either of us through the links in the show notes. Join us again next week.